This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Mark chapter 14 uh, is where we are going to be. Before we jump into that, I was thinking, so if you're going to start turning to it, we'll have the verses on the screen as well. Um, hopefully the lights don't come on today, because last time when that happened, apparently the, the overhead lights on top of this dome was like, bah! so um, hopefully it'll, it'll stay dim. This is why we have to have the lights down, Stephanie. She's like, it's too dark. I'm like, well, we'll blind people with my head if, if we uh, turn the lights on too high. So um, I'm trying to get a little sun on it, but man, it just burns so fast. Can't do that. Okay, I'm, I'm all over the place right now. Um, that's all right. Mark 14, before we get there, I was thinking as we were singing, um, and, and I don't know about for you, man, some Sundays are different than others. For me, I, just, I was just kind of like, meh. I was just kind of going through the motions, honestly. I wasn't really there. Um, and I was just thinking about the parable of the sower, where Jesus tells the story of a, of a farmer who goes and like throws his seed, because apparently that's how you plant seed when you're farming. Um, my farming experience is coming out right now. Uh, throws the seed, and, and Jesus says, the seed, which in the illustration is the word of God, falls on four types of soil, um, the, the, the path, and then the rocky soil, and the thorny soil, and then the good soil, right? And, and in all cases, it says the word was, was heard, right? The, the word, the seed was thrown, the word was heard, but on the path that Satan just snatched it away, man, blocked up people from actually hearing truth. And then the, the two that interest me the most is the rocky soil and the thorny soil because it says that the word was heard and the soil actually received the seed but then either tribulation and trials in life or the cares of the world over just kind of choked out the word so that so that the, the soils are people and, and and we've got two types of people that the bible says here's the word but we're so distracted by either trials in life or, or the cares of the world that, that we don't actually take it in. And, and I really feel like, Christian or not, that happens a lot to us. It happens a lot to me. Where, where I'm, I'm really just distracted by so many things around me that I don't actually lock in and, and, and receive the word of God. E- either by preaching or by singing or, or, or whatever. And I think that's one of the primary tactics of the devil in in our culture our context is just distraction like we're so inundated with with life and and life is is difficult i mean we're, we're sitting here i saw this meme i still don't really know what a meme is but i saw this meme this week and it was the it was someone took a picture of their their low fuel light in their car and, and then they put like this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. And I was like, amen, I am always on low fuel right now because I'm like throwing in five bucks. I'm like, I just gotta get somewhere. I, it gives me like half a gallon at this point, you know? Like, it's, it's tough, it's tough. And, and so I just think, this isn't even the sermon, this is like pre-sermon. Um, but I just think for us, it's very normal and very common for us to be here or to sit down even at home or, or but, but then just, just for the word of God to kind of bounce off us because we're so distracted and we're so inundated with other things. Um, and so I was just hoping that, that maybe we could take just a second and not have any other noise and just be still. Maybe just take a deep breath 
Maybe you want to close your eyes and you just want to breathe in and then just kind of exhale the worries of the world. Maybe you want to mentally just kind of say them in your head. Bills, jobs, coworkers, family. Like it's just stressful and you want to... God, we are here. And I would bet we can all admit that we feel busy and run down or stressed or anxious. Father, will you clear our minds to hear from you, to receive your word deep in our souls? Will you tell us today that you are a good father who cares for us and we can cast our anxieties on you and leave them with you? In the name of Jesus, we ask and we pray. Amen. Call me crazy. I think that would probably be a good practice every day. Just take 60 seconds and breathe and talk to God. Just, just turn everything off. You gotta go in your bathroom because you got kids everywhere. Maybe that's just us and they're like, we'll find you. They'll, they'll seek you out. Amen, right? The hand comes under the door, right? You're like putting a towel up against the door so they can't get through, right? Just take a second and breathe. Let's fix our minds and our hearts on God. Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. I learned something new this week. I learned, so I've been a Christian since I was 15. Um, I'm, I'm borderline 40. Michaela tells me I'm basically 40. Apparently when you're 39, you just round up and she's like, you're basically 40. I'm like, cool, thanks. Um, so I've been a Christian for a bit and this was new. I was like, all right, this is neat. So in Mark chapter 14, and this is the main point of, of what Jesus is getting at. We're, we're going to talk about Jesus going and praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And like I said, these last few chapters, we're, we're kind of jumping around as far as things go in, like written down here. But we're just trying to follow the timeline, um, right? So Jesus has the Lord's Supper, and then he goes to the garden, right? And then, and then Peter, step, no, then Judas, and then Peter, right? So we see, like, that's more so the timeline, even though some conversations begin earlier, we're just going to try to lump it up rather than jumping back and forth all over the place. So, so we're talking about Jesus praying in the garden, and the main point that Jesus is getting at is verse 38. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Right, when we read this passage, when we read the passage, Jesus says multiple times these verbs, keep watch, watch, and pray. Watch and pray. And he kind of gives the reason so that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now when we read that, my guess is you read the word temptation and you are thinking, just like I'm thinking, and just like it's, it's right in this context, temptation is something that is tempting our fleshly desires towards sin. Right, that's what we understand a temptation towards. There's something that is desiring to me, but if I eat of that 
fruit of that desire, it, it then leads towards sin, right? That's the temptation. There is actually a desire in me for that, but if I go ahead and choose it, I'm choosing sin, right? So temptation we see as, you know, that kind of fork in the road between I'm either choosing sin or I'm not. But what I learned this week is that the same Greek word for temptation is the same Greek word for trial. Where James says in James chapter one, rejoice in trials of various kinds because these trials produce a steadfastness and a perseverance. Same Greek word for trial and temptation. Trials, we typically don't look at and go, oh, a trial necessarily leads to sin. It's just a circumstance in life. It's just something that occurs. It's just, man, life is heavy. We got sick, right? We got, we got in a car wreck, whatever, right? It's not necessarily sin, but how we handle a trial can actually move us into sin. Temptation, not actually sin, but how we handle temptation can, can move us into sin, right? Ne- neither the trial or the temptation, that's why it's the, it's the same word, neither of them are actually sin, but how we handle them, what we do in response to that temptation or the trial, it, it can be sin or, or not sin. And so Jesus says, keep watch and pray so that you will not enter into temptation. This isn't meaning so that you won't be tempted. It's that you won't enter into the temptation that you won't give into the temptation, succumb to the temptation, and thus be thrown off course of the path that we were supposed to be walking on. Keep watch and pray so that you may not enter into temptation, so that you may not give into the trial and be thrown off course of the direction that God wants you to go. I got a smaller whiteboard today. We're gonna, gosh, why do I do that? He's sitting Indian style. Okay, and holding up his hand. Everybody wants life to go up and to the right. Right? Everybody wants life to get to get better and more full. Right? Amen. Come on, who where did that come from? Yes! I love it. Y'all take some notes. Here we go. Everybody wants this for life. Now I'm not gonna define this yet. What what that object is that we're going after, right? It's gonna vary. It's gonna vary in our own lives from moment to moment even. Right, but we all want life to go up and to the right. We don't want it to go this way, right? We, we, we don't want it to, to tank. We want it to be as full and maximum as possible of, of joy and, and peace and, and just this fullness of life. Now, we believe, because it's what we believe the Bible teaches, is that the fullness of life is in the presence of God. Psalm 1611 tells us, right, the fullness of life is in his presence. The, the fullness of joy is at his right hand. So, so I'm not sure where, what you believe today, but, but if you're not a Christian, my, my invitation, my proposal is that what we're actually looking for is a relationship with God. A thriving, growing, not just like routine, spiritual, not just I went to, but like a real relationship that is more intimate than any human relationship we could ever have. Like I believe that's the invitation that God gives to us. And if you are a Christian, then my guess is you've already trusted that, right? But but you know as well as I do that, that some days we're actually pursuing God and other days we're pursuing ourselves or our own ambition or our success or whatever, right? But, but here's what you and I know. No matter what it is we're pursuing, 
My, my hope is that we're pursuing God, but life is never a straight line up and to the right. Amen? Anybody else with me? Life more so looks like this. Right? Like it's, just, it, it's, not, it's never this easy, like, just straight up and to the right. Now, the hope is that we're progressively moving this way, you know, that a year later we look back and we're like, man, there were some turns and I spent some days in the dumps, but a year later I'm further, I'm closer to the presence of God. That's called sanctification, that's called growing, right? But this is, this is life. And, and sometimes we cause this, sometimes we cause the, the trial or the temptation to throw us off course, right? Sometimes it's our own doing. Sometimes it's just life. You know, a pandemic hits. Nobody signed up for that. Nobody was like, hey, I have an idea, right? No, it, it came to us. And, and it, I mean, it throws you for a doozy. We lost jobs. Markets crashed. Mental health took a tank. Suicide rates were at an all-time high, Right, so, so sometimes, man, we don't, call, we don't ask for this trial or the temptation. It comes to us. Other times, other people bring a trial or temptation to our lives. Right, other times someone else causes this train wreck for a second and we're, man, we're dipping down, right? At all times, the Bible says there is an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came that we would have life. Jesus' goal is this. The devil's goal is down here. Steal, kill, and destroy. And so sometimes these temptations and these trials, they're thrown in our lives by the enemy. You look at Genesis 3. Who tempted Adam and Eve? The serpent, the snake, the devil. In any situation, whatever trial and temptation comes to our life, whether it's our own doing, someone else's doing, the, the devil, God is allowing it. At any point, God can step in and do whatever he desires to do. He's God. But he allows these trials and these temptations to come into our life. Why? Because every good parent knows you have to let your child face trials and temptations if they're ever going to grow and be all that they are created to be. If you don't let your child stumble and skin their knee and figure out life on their own, it's going to smack them in the face at some point and they won't be able to recover. Every good parent knows that the trials and temptations, they're, they're not necessarily the problem. And in fact, we have to have trials and temptations in our life in order to become all that we're created to be. The sandpaper, it's not very smooth on the surface, but it leaves a finished product that is far better than it was beforehand. And so God allows these trials and temptations, some small and some easy and some big and massive, because our good Father knows that it's through the trials, through the temptations that we grow to be all that God created us to be and we grow closer to the image of Jesus and in his presence. Our job is to learn how to not be thrown off course by the trials and temptations that come our way. They are going to come our way in small and big ways and God our Father is good enough to let them 
our job is to increasingly learn how to not get thrown off course by these trials and temptations, but to press on towards the image of Jesus. And so how do we do that? How did Jesus do that in the moment of his greatest temptation? We keep watch and we pray so that we may not enter into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but we all know our flesh is weak. And so we keep watch and we pray. This is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus instructs the disciples to do, and this is what Jesus, through his word, instructs us to do, that we would continue and press on in the purpose that God has given us, to know him and to make him known. So we see here, Mark 14, verse 32, it says that after the the Lord's Supper, they went to a place called Gethsemane. It's a garden um, through a valley just outside of Jerusalem. And it's interesting, I think there's more significance here than convenience. I think there's a specific reason that, that Jesus goes to a garden. But, but we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that uh, later. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John. And so this is after Judas has already decided that he's going to betray him and left. And so Jesus goes to the garden, leaves eight of them there grabs his three um, closest, closest dudes and says, hey, come with me, right? We're going to go pray. And it says that Jesus began to be greatly distressed and troubled. How, how distressed? He said, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. Going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, which is, which is a, a Hebrew term that just means daddy. It's an intimate term. Fa'aba, father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. So what's going on here with, with Jesus? He's gone across this valley to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's got his three closest friends. He brings them with him to, to come and to keep watch. Matthew says, keep watch with me and pray. Mark just kind of assumes that part, but but Matthew records it as Jesus saying, keep watch with me and and pray. My soul is troubled, even to the point of of death. Dr. Luke, Luke, who's a a medical doctor, says that Jesus was so distressed and troubled that he is sweating blood. So so what's going on in in this scene? I think Jesus is having a panic attack. I think he is breaking down. There's a a medical term called hematidrosis, which is the sweating of blood. And this only happens when your internal, your insides get so stressed, so under pressure that your capillaries bust and literally blood seeps into your sweat glands. And so Jesus is is under such internal, emotional, mental, spiritual unrest his, his body is so anxious, so wound tight, that his capillaries are literally busting and he is sweating blood from this condition. What I love is that he, th- this isn't called sin. Jesus isn't sinning because he's anxious. 
Now, if he would have remained in anxiety and responded out of that anxiety, that's a different, that's a different situation. But the fact that he is having a, a mental, emotional, physical breakdown, the fact that he is having, I think, a panic attack, that his body is physically reacting to the stress and the anxiety, that is not a sin. And I know we, I don't know what, what you grew up with, but, but the way I grew up, right, mental health was never talked about. Emotional well-being was never talked about. You only went to a therapist if you were like super messed up. And so there was this stigma around it. And I just want to stand here and say that is garbage. Absolutely absurd. If we will take our physical bodies into a doctor to get looked at, why would we not take our minds into a doctor to get looked at? Why would we not let someone who's trained and objective to see and understand look at our souls and our emotions and, and help us from the inside? And so let me just encourage you, I think it is wise, no matter what your situation in life is, to go and see a, th a therapist, to go talk to someone who's an objective third-party person who will just listen and help us see our blind spots. Again, if we're willing to take our cars in for preventative care and maintenance, why would we not take our minds and our bodies in for preventative care and maintenance? Jesus is having an emotional breakdown because the stress and weight and anxiety of this life is crushing. But for Jesus, it's more than just everyday life. What's, what's crushing him is he knows what is coming. What's crushing Jesus is the weight of the sins of the world is about to be placed on him. He knows that he is about to go as the Passover lamb to die so that the, the guilty may live. He, he knows that he is about to walk forward for your sins and my sins to be placed on him so that his body would be broken and his blood would be poured out so that ours doesn't have to be. And for the first time in eternity, Jesus is going to taste the bitterness of sin. And Jesus is going to experience the dark separation from his father. For the first time in all eternity, and his soul and his mind and his emotion is just twisted and wrung from it. He's anxious. He's fearful. This is no small trial trials will come our way the body's response of, of anxiety or fear or worry that's, that's normal the question is what are we going to do with those trials how are we going to stay the course and not be thrown off course from them how are we going to press on forward Jesus is feeling the weight of this and not only is it a trial, but he's tempted to run and to chase ease. There, there's a fleshly desire to go the other way. There's a real temptation to avoid it. Jesus is God, fully God, and yet he's also fully man. And so as a human, there's a temptation to, to not take the difficult road. The, the road to sin is often really easy. It looks really nice. 
It's got a fleeting pleasure to it. To, to do the right thing at times is incredibly difficult. It will come with suffering. It will come with a weight. And so Jesus is feeling that anxiety and that weight of, of doing the right thing, of following the will of his Father. And so how does Jesus stay the course? How does Jesus, Jesus come and, and fulfill his purpose as our servant to the point of death when, when he's tempted to not? What does Jesus do? Keep watch with me and pray. That's not just what he, he commands the disciples. That's what he does himself. Jesus says, keep watch and pray. Those are the two verbs of this passage. Keep watch and pray. That's what he's telling us. That's what he's doing. In order to stay the course, in order for you and I to press on as God's designed us, we keep watch and we pray. So, so what does this mean? What does the verbs mean, keep watch and pray? The, the first verb, keep watch, it can literally be translated stay awake, which if you read this, we know the disciples are, are not going to do. They're, they're going to fall asleep. But it means to stay awake, to be alert to remain on guard for upcoming attack, right? It's like, it's like soldiers on the, the perimeter wall, right? You got the night shift. You, you've got to stay awake. You've got to be alert and be on, on guard. I, I think about boxing. Any, any, any boxers here? Cool, yep. Not, 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 a, not a very common sport, I get, right? We took a boxing class at our gym on occasion, you know, and I'm, I would be good for like 30 seconds. Their endurance is incredible. I don't understand it because I'm beat. I am gassed, right? But, but when you go into boxing, man, you, you got an opponent. You have someone that wants to steal, kill, and destroy your soul, right, so that they are victorious. And so what do you do as a boxer? Do you walk in with your hands down? No, you got to keep your hands up. You gotta be on guard because that other person is fixing to throw some haymakers. So, now, now typically, boxing, man, it'll go several rounds, right? They're, they're hanging in there, but over time, man, you throw in some punches, you bounce around, you start to get fatigued, your, your guard stops to drop a little bit, right? You start to get a little lazy, perhaps, or maybe you're really confident in yourself, right? And you start walking up there and you're like, come on, come on, pop! And then you get just shot. Just take a hook, and then it takes that one shot, man, and that dazes you, and you are now, man, you're stunned, and you're backing up, and then the opponent is all over you, right? You want to make it in boxing, you got to keep that guard up. you got to be alert. You can't drop your guard. You can't get lazy. You can't get complacent and tired because that's when the opponent is coming. That's what this verb means. That's what Jesus is telling. Keep watch because there is a, an enemy that is looking for someone to devour. Be alert for the temptations and trials that will come your way. Don't get caught sleeping. Don't be blindsided because when you get blindsided, it, it, man, you're, you're stumbling backwards at that point. The enemy's got you right where he wants you. Keep watch. Be alert. Some tips for us to keep watch. The first one, humble yourself and realize you are not invincible. You are one exhausted day and stupid decision away from disaster. 
If you find yourself saying, it can never happen to me, you're walking into a fight with your hands down, inviting a punch. Jesus says it, right? The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. If you want to be on guard, you have to admit to yourself that you are vulnerable. You are human. We, we can sin in ways we never thought possible. I've been there. I've been there. And so we've got to be humble and admit. Right? This is what we're going to see in Peter in a couple weeks. Jesus, I will die before I deny you. It didn't even take him 24 hours. If we want to keep watch, we have to admit that we need to keep watch. So often, the attacks come because and we get lazy and complacent and honestly pretty confident in ourselves. We don't think that we need accountability. We don't think that we need a filter. We think we can watch anything and it's not going to affect us. Oh, I don't listen to the lyrics, I just like the beat. Next thing you know, those words are coming out of our mouth. No, I can stop myself. I won't drink too much. We have to humble ourselves and admit that my flesh is weak. I'm capable of anything. We have to admit that or we'll never keep watch. Next thing to keep watch, bring some people with you. Jesus brought his closest friends with him. Right, if we think that we are going to stay the course alone, man, that's like a gazelle out on the prairie thinking it can just wander off on its own. You know what that's called? Dinner. That's what the lion looks for. I mean, this is, just, this is just National Geographic. This is just food chain. Right? Every hunting show we've ever watched, don't act like you haven't watched them. It's like you can't look away. It's always just as one gets off on its own. Stop paying attention. Herd's going that way. He starts grazing this way. Bam! Taken out. We think we're going to make it on our own. We're, like, ju- we're just signing our, our death wish. We have to have people in our lives and not like surface level, y'all. Like there's got to be someone, at least one, I would recommend more, that knows everything. 100%. Because actually, there's chemically, biologically, something that happens in our brain when we verbalize something out loud to another person. It shifts this temptation, this trial. It moves it to a different part of our brain, a brain that we can actually work with. Otherwise, it just chills in our subconscious area. And it does work on us, but we don't move past it. Y'all, we have to have people in our lives. To not is pride. It's thinking my flesh is strong. I can handle this on my own and we're gonna get beat up. We're not gonna stay the course. So that's what community groups are for. Y'all can call it what you want. Every church, if they don't have it, should have it. Acts 2, they had it. You gotta have those small groups of people that you get to know at a deep level. This is great, but this is, you know, 
this deep. We need people who get down into the depths with our lives. Jesus did it. If Jesus had his people with him, what are we thinking? What, what are we thinking if we're like, I don't, I, I, I'm good, I'm good. No, we, we, we're, we're kidding ourselves. And so that's what community group's for, discipleship group. If you're like, what's the difference? The way I describe it, community group is meant primarily to build Christian friendships. Like people that we go eat with on Friday night and hang out with, right, and share life with. And discipleship groups, those are the two or three that we go, hey, let me pull back the curtains and just look at everything here. Oh, if you would, please look back here because I can't see back here. See my blind spots and tell me where I'm being an idiot. Right, help me be accountable to following after Jesus. Jesus had his 12 community group, his three called his discipleship groups. He spent his one-on-one time with the Father. It, I mean, if Jesus does it, we, it would be wise for us to as well. Otherwise, I'm just going to tell you now, I don't know what point on the timeline, but it's coming for you. Third tip, know yourself. Know yourself. Be introspective and aware of your temptations. This is, this is just important. I mean, there's some things, like I have zero temptation for crack cocaine. Zero, none. But I got plenty of temptation over here. Right? I got plenty of temptation for lust. Maybe that's not a temptation for you. Maybe lust is like, I don't know, whatever. But, but crack cocaine, man, you're like, I would like a little bit of that. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, right? Your, your temptations are your temptations. My temptations are my temptations. We all have temptations, but we have to be introspective and honest enough to go, and this is me. Here are my temptations. Here are my weak points. I don't need to keep going back there. That's dumb. I need to know myself, which leads me to the next tip. Don't compromise. Right? Don't, don't try to dabble. Don't try to, you know, like walk in the grave. One of my favorite Proverbs of all time is Proverbs 6.27. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? The answer, no. You play with fire, you're going to get burned. Maybe not the first time, maybe not the second time, but eventually you will get burned. I mean, it's in the scriptures. We have to know our temptations Look, man, I, I've been fighting for this, and I don't, I don't know the answer yet. We haven't figured it out here yet, but we're, we're going to, and I don't think the church at large has figured it out yet. It has to be okay for you and I to not be okay. It has to be safe inside the church for us to throw everything on the table because if we can't be there, we will never get, we'll hit the ceiling and continue to bounce off of it. And so this has to be a safe context of people where it's okay to go, y'all, this is my deep, dark stuff, and, and, and then not be judged or shamed, but be welcomed in, because here's the reality, right? If I go and confess my stuff to you, right, you got your stuff. Let's not act like we don't. Come on. It may be a different thing, but you got yours too. And if we can't be honest with each other, we will always have this dark corner of our lives that that's where the devil's going to hang out in. And he's great with playing the 30-year plan. He's great with you sitting on that until it builds and builds and builds until the optimal time when he's like, destruction. 
And then it's not just your domino that falls, but it's the 20 dominoes connected to you. Yo, we've got to keep watch. We've got to be honest with ourselves and humble and open. And I'm not just telling, you don't have to tell me that. Like, we don't have to go sit down. And, you've got to find somebody, though, for your own good. We have to. We've got to be humble and honest and know your weaknesses and your temptations. The temptation is not a sin. I don't care what your temptation is whether it's, it's drugs or shopping or same-sex attraction or drunkenness or covetousness or, 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 or greed or gluttony or, or whatever it is, right? Like, it, okay, okay. We've all got our, our spots that we're not so proud of. We have to be a people that make it okay for it to not be okay or we will never find healing and growth. And I, can we do that? Can, can we figure that out together? Like for, for me, I, I want it. And I know you want it too. Can we, can we be a people? Yo, that is revolutionary. We, we, we can't compete with the world in just about everything. Right? Music, speaking, venue, production, programs. What, man, the, the world can offer everything. What the world cannot match is the selfless love of Jesus. And if we are a Christian, then we have that in us, and that is what will change the world. Can we be those people together? For the good of the person sitting next to you, for the good of our next generation, and for our own good. We have to be honest and open and keep watch. Not because it makes us less of a person or less of a Christian. It actually makes you greater of a person and greater of a Christian when we can be honest with our faults and our temptations and our trials because that's what's going to keep us moving. We've got to keep watch. Don't put your guard down. The second thing we've got to do is pray. It's, it's, the, it's, it's an ongoing verb. Keep watch. Keep watch now and, and, and later and later and later. You never just be like, I'm going to keep watch at like, I don't know, 11 o'clock and that's about it, right? No, no, we've got to keep watch at all times. And we have to pray at all times. We have to pray without ceasing. So, so what is prayer, right? Is it, is it, dear God, thank you for this and, and I would like that, amen? Sure, at times. But prayer is just communication with God. It's just, it's just a conversation with God. It's a connection with God. And prayer is the, I mean, it's the Velcro to, to God. It's what connects us and keeps us close to him. The, the word prayer in the Greek, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a conjunction, if that's the right word. I'm not English. Pros, erkamai, right? Toward conversation. It's a conversation toward someone. And it's understood in, in the Greek, it's a conversation toward God. It's facing God. It's communication with him. At times, it's structured, and it's formal, and it's intentional. And at other times, I mean, we're just walking down the street. We're just walking to class. We're walking to our boss's office. We're driving, putting the kids to bed, cooking dinner. But in our souls, in our minds, we're having a conversation with God. We're talking with God him. And so what does prayer look like? I love this prayer. I love this prayer of Jesus. 
He says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. It's, 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 an, it's an intimate conversation. I think one of, the, one of our biggest challenges of the prayer, one of the things that, that makes it so lackluster and ho-hum, it, is that we just don't realize that the God of the world is, is actually present and among us. I guess he's just some religious historical being, right, that's way out there somewhere, maybe. But when we start to realize that the, we have an audience with the God of the world, it starts to change this conversation. It starts to change the conversation. It's personal, it's intimate. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. I, I love that Jesus says that. It, it allows me to relate to him in such a personal way because that's 1,000% what I would pray. Hey God, there is some mega suffering ahead. Please know. Right, like that's how we're wired. That's, that's, that's what we'd want. I love that Jesus, he, he, he voices his temptation to avoid the cross. But that, that actually makes sense. That makes him more approachable. Right, he, he didn't want, his flesh was, was weak. His spirit was willing, but his flesh was weak. He didn't want to go to the cross. He didn't want to endure the sins of the world. He didn't want to endure the separation from God. He pours his heart out to God. It's okay for him to be anxious. It's okay for him to have a, a, a worry or a fear. It's not okay for him to remain anxious, to live in worry, to live in fear. To not have something come and hit you, some anxiety come on you, some, some fear come on you, that's, that's, in, that's not human. Right? So when the Bible says fear not, he's not the Bible's not telling you, hey, don't have a fearful encounter. The Bible's telling you don't remain in that fear. Why? Because your Father is with you. So to remain in anxiety is actually a lack of trust in God. To remain in fear, to let that control me and dictate how I live is actually a lack of trust. Now, I'm the, I'll be the first one to tell you, I'm, I'm, this is brutally difficult for me. I've had more anxiety and depression and, and mental unhealth in the last five years than ever in my life. If I'm preaching this sermon seven years ago, like I, you know, I could talk about it, but, but I get it now. I mean, I understand it. But I also believe there is a way of healing and escape, right? And, and what God wants from me is just to not quit. Keep working. Don't settle. And so we, we pour our heart out to God. We cast our anxieties on him because he cares for us. I love Psalm 62, 8. David says, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. God is a safe place for you to tell him, hey, I don't, I don't want to do this. This scares the living daylight out of me. I don't, this move is not safe. Father, that that obedience is not financially wise. This is not the best place for my kids. I, I'm tempted 
towards this person. I'm covetous of what they have. Right? God is a safe place to be honest. God, I want my mom to live and not die from cancer. Father, I want a new job, please. It's, he's a safe place to be honest and real and pour our, heart out, our hearts out to him. Prayer doesn't have to be pretty and, and structured. It's just being honest with God. He knows it anyways. Let's be honest with him. Let's pour our heart out to him. But the prayer that Jesus models is also then a prayer that surrenders to the will of the Father. God, I don't want to go to the cross, but I want your will more than mine. My flesh is weak, but for Jesus, he chose his spirit, the will of his spirit over the will of his flesh. Have you ever had that dual tension inside of you? I mean, it's like a tug of war. Jesus chose the will of the Father over the will of his flesh. It's okay to be honest with God, but but a prayer that then strengthens us and gives us his peace and his comfort and the promises of God are found when we submit to his will, whatever it is, just like Jesus did. It's okay to want that job. It's okay to pour your heart out to that. It's okay to be disappointed if it doesn't happen. But we're called to trust God's will and to then walk in obedience on the other side of that event, on the other side of that trial. To not let that trial or that temptation pull us down and off course. And we do that by keeping watch from the temptations and trials around us and keeping our eyes on God, praying all the time. If I'm keeping watch of my temptations for, for lust, right, then I'm, I'm putting up filters. I'm bringing some people into my life for accountability. And it's really difficult to lust after someone else when I'm constantly talking to God. Hey, God, will you help me with this? Hey, God, I want to honor you with this. That makes it really difficult. When I want to be covetous, right, when I desire what other people have. Okay, let's keep watch with that. Where do I find myself being covetous? Is it when I'm scrolling through everybody's filtered and fake photos and advertisements and everybody's happy and their life is perfect? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I want that too. Find myself being covetous? I don't know, let's get rid of social media. What's, what's the point? Right, let's keep watch. And then let's pray for said people. Let's pray blessings over their life. Let's pray for their favor and their good. It's really difficult to be covetous when I'm praying for someone, when I'm fixing my eyes on God and I'm seeing that in his kingdom, I'm his child and I have everything. As we keep watching, we pray, we're gonna find ourselves growing more and more and more and having less of those setbacks, which that's the spiritual life. That's what we're living. Jesus had a mission and a purpose in his life. And it was to serve you and me. His mission, his purpose was to die for your sins and my sins some 2,000 years later. 
our only chance, our only hope of having a relationship with God is if Jesus comes and does what we couldn't do. That's our only chance. And there was a night in the garden when he was tempted to bail and to go the other way. The disciples, they would fall asleep on the job. Right? We see that at the end where Jesus comes and they're asleep. He says, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, Jesus went away and prayed the same words. I love that Jesus prays the same prayer. Hey, God, I don't want to do this again in case you forgot. Right? It's okay. You find yourself praying the same prayer over and over and over again. It's all right. Jesus did too. Just pour your heart out. He prays the prayer again. He comes back. His friends are asleep. And they've gone to sleep again. He goes a third time. He prays the same prayer again. Hey, God, I just want to be clear. I'd really like a different route if we could work that out. Comes back. The disciples are asleep again. And he's like, hey, wake up. The time's now. In the garden, the disciples fall asleep. They give in to their flesh. They choose their own way. Which is how it began. In the garden, our first parents, Adam and Eve, gave in to the flesh. They chose their own way. That's why we struggle. That's why the disciples fell asleep in the garden. It was the pattern set for them. It was the pattern set for us to give in to our flesh, to give in to temptation, to, to stumble with the trial. It's what, it's what was laid out before us, Adam and Eve in the garden, the disciples in the garden, but it doesn't have to be that way anymore because in the garden, Jesus chose obedience. Jesus had the same temptation that Adam and Eve had. Jesus had the same temptation that the disciples had. Choose your own way. Go, go after your own pursuits. Give in to the flesh. Jesus, though, chose obedience. And when we trust Christ, the spirit of obedience is placed in us. And now we actually have the ability and the power of Jesus to choose obedience. The, the story changes in the garden. It breaks in the garden, and Jesus puts it back together. And he chooses obedience and he gives us the same opportunity and availability as well. We can move forward how God's designed us to be because Jesus did it for us. And his spirit of obedience is actually given to you and me. When we feel that tension and that pull, we actually can choose self-control. We can choose joy. We can choose love. We can choose patience and peace because the spirit of Christ is in us. I pray for your own good, for the good of people sitting next to you, for the good of the people that you'll encounter 10 years from now that you will keep watch and pray because God has so much more for you than you can even imagine. We've got to learn how to stay the course and to not enter into temptation and the trials that come your way. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes 
and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.